Hello and welcome to the first ever NO and JB Sports Pedigree. We're here to provide insight on a wide variety of sports topics, from NBA to UEFA Champions League, NCAA hoops to NFL football, and anywhere in between. Our goal is not only to give you perspective and real honest opinion, but to have fun while doing it. So let's not waste any time. Let's let's dig right in. I'm JB. And this is N.O. JB, it's college basketball season. Oh, it's it's time. It is time. Right around the corner. Yes, sir. Season is kicking off uh, next month. You know, season usually kicks off with Midnight Madness at, you know, mm. the major universities. And then everybody has their early season tourneys. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, get into the conference play the start of the year usually. And then, obviously, it culminates with the NCAA tournament. This mm. year, you know, it's going to be back around the country. Yep. Last year, it was in my hometown. Well, actually, earlier this year, it was in my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana, exclusively. I wish I could have been there for it. Mm. Yes, sir. Um, but let's do a little bit of a preview. I'm going to start off by talking about the Big Ten a little bit. Okay, okay. The landscape of the Big Ten, first and foremost, starts with, my Purdue Boilermakers. Mm, they are looking solid this year. The Purdue Boilermakers have everybody returning from a team that, quite honestly, overachieved heavily last year uh, with superstar freshman Jaden Ivey now going to be a sophomore, mm-hmm. Canadian big man Zach Eady, and Travion Williams. This very skilled big man who can play with his back to the basket. He's probably the best passing big man in the country. If you haven't seen Travion Williams highlights, check him out. Yep. He can drop dimes. No look dimes from back to the basket. You know, he always makes the right decision. You know, Purdue's, Purdue definitely has that intact. They also have two superstar freshmen coming in, top-notch recruits. Uh, from right. Indiana, Trey Kaufman, Trey Kaufman Wren, and Caleb First, who actually won Indiana Mr. Basketball. He's the first Purdue basketball player since Caleb Swanigan won Mr. Basketball and is going to Purdue. Wow. That being said, there's other good teams in the Big Ten, too, that I I guess I can get him some love. Michigan. Michigan, yep. <laughs> I, guess I, can, I guess I can get the Wolverines some love. You don't have to. Have the, you really don't have to. It's cool. Well, you know, we like to be well-rounded on the show. I, I can't be that biased. I'll, I'll be somewhat biased. Michigan, they have the number one recruiting class in the nation, mm-hmm. and they already have the re- top big man returner, one of the top big man returners in the country, Hunter Dickinson. They lost a little bit from last year. They also got Eli Brooks coming back. But the thing about many of these Big Ten teams other than Purdue is the state of the transfers. Mm. We got some top-notch transfers in the Big Ten this year. Uh, Michigan has Devontae Jones. When you look at Ohio State, obviously they return EJ Liddell. Very versatile big man, can yes, play face-up, back to the basket. S- extremely skilled player. Will be an NBA star one day, just as suing Kyle Young, but they have Cedric Russell. That's their top transfer. Michigan State Spartans. Tom Izzo got something up his sleeve. Always. He went and got that young man, Tyson Walker, from Northeastern University. He's a guard type. And if you remember last season, Michigan State had some issues at the point guard position. And they have top-notch freshman Max Christie coming in. Mm. Maryland, super athletic, guard heavy. 
Um, I love what Mark Turgeon does out there. They have transferred Fats Russell from Rhode Island. They also have another couple transfers and Eric Ayala returning. And Illinois, I'll throw them a little bit of love too. Yeah. You know, even though they lost um, one of their top players, a couple of them actually, they have Kofi Coburn returning. That's their seven-foot big man. Yeah, Kofi's a preseason All-American first team. Preseason All-American, no doubt. Big man, seven feet tall. Um, <laughs> think Shaq when he was in college. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Monster. Yes, they got – Young youngster Andre Corbello, um, Trent Frazier, who actually I'm pretty sure he was a senior last year, but because of the COVID rules, he's able to come back. Mm-hmm. And their transfer is Alfonso Plummer. That's enough about the Big Ten. Nice. Um, pay attention. Yeah. It will be a conference to be reckoned with. Probably get seven to nine teams in the NCAA tourney. Agreed. What you got, JB? So, agreed. And, and really looking at the preseason rankings, I was kind of surprised at uh, top 25. I only see Michigan and Purdue. In Michigan State, um, so pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. You got Texas, UCLA, and the Zags um, up the top, followed by Tennessee and Memphis. Which Memphis has tell me a about them? Heck of a team. Well, what okay. I what I want to share here, and you touched on this, um, the portal, the player transfers record. Okay, okay, and not only because of the way that the portal set up now, but because of the bonus senior rule. Um, you got kids that are able to play again because of COVID, um, and one-time expanded roster rules, there was 1,834 players in the portal this year. Wow. Amazing. Um, So that's going to be crazy. Um, We're getting back to some normalcy, right? Um, Going to have fans in the stands, going to have March Madness like normal. And part of that, too, is these preseason tournaments you alluded to. So just a couple to, to put out there for you. We got the Hall of Fame tip-off November 20th featuring your boys, Purdue okay. and North Carolina. Ooh. Uh, Villanova's first, there as first well. First-round matchup. Yes, Tennessee sir. is the other team if I'm uh, – um, You are correct. That's so, right. And those four. And then you got the battle for Atlantis on the 24th of November. Baylor, UConn defending champs Baylor uh, and UConn there. Um, so, yeah, pretty excited about that. Um, one big storyline for the year is Coach K. Uh, it's his retirement, uh, you know, tour essentially. So it's going to be crazy to 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 look over <laughs> at the sidelines when he's not there. Not that I'm a so, huge Duke fan, but you know. So here's here's the question, JB. Yeah. Is he going to get the retirement love when he goes through Chapel Hill? Right. Uh, probably not. They'll boo him. I mean, they're going <laughs> to give him that retirement boo, you know, and uh, that's where he'll probably appreciate that, knowing knowing Absolutely. From what I know about him and. Uh, you know, speaking of coaches, um, lots of changes there as well. 60 new coaches this year in Division One. You got And D1? Yeah, wow. Hubert Davis, 60 North Carolina. out of about 320 programs. Yeah. That's about one-seventh. Yes, sir. One-sixth, actually. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think Hubert Davis, probably one of the biggest ones at North Carolina. Mike North Woodson Carolina. Yeah. at IU. Um, He's, yeah. Uh, Chris yep. Beard at Texas. And my boy Broad Ripple High School, by the way, Indianapolis Broad Ripple High okay. School for Mike Woodson. Okay, yep. go ahead. Wasn't aware of that. You got yeah. some good insight there. Uh, and my boy Wes Miller, um, new Bearcats coach. He's thirty-eight. He's the youngest, actually, of all of them. Um, heading into the Big he played Twelve. Played for the Tar Heels. There you yep. go. And uh, up and coming. You know that 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 team um, lost a couple of couple of good players, um, young guys. They're all going to be. It's going to be a, a probably some growing pains for for the Bearcats this year. Unfortunately, we got I think he brought six guys with him, um, or six transfers. That's going to be kind of the the bedrock of the team. I mean, they got a couple you know 
seasoned vets coming back. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I always have hope for my for my boys. But uh, absolutely. And yeah. Wes Miller previously coached at Greensboro, if I'm not Correct. mistaken. Yep. And he had gotcha. them in the tournament. Um, you know, it was yeah. a bit of a controversial hire, but I think it's I think it's a good move. I think um, he's very well thought of up and coming young guy. So uh, I'm excited to see, Absolutely. see what he happens, uh, what happens there. Um, so yeah, Absolutely. I'm just excited for it. You know, I, I know you did the, the big 10, which I love the big 10 as well. And, uh, I love the brand of basketball. They play kind of hard nosed and, you know, I think it's, uh, underrated the amount of talent that comes out of that conference too. So we'll see. No I, I think, uh, I'm excited. There's going to be a, uh, uh, UCLA, you know, I, I do still have uh, some love for for Mick Cronin. Um, That's right. That's from right. being at UC, and uh, I was excited to see how well they did in the tournament. So, looking to see what they do. Um, of course, UK should have a bounce back year. Um, so we'll see. Lot lots going on. Louisville as well. Um, part of that. Talk two. about a. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh. Well, you know, I was just thinking about these coaches of these teams and. You know, you, y'all got Wes Miller popping in um, as the new coach, and you, we know he's going to get paid. You of know, course, for his services. What about players getting paid? Absolutely, you you were kind of thinking on the my lines there too, and and uh, because, <laughs> because <laughs> the only other thing I was going to say, it's kind of still hanging over, and uh, you don't really hear about it anymore is that FBI probe that's still going on. Um, so we'll kind of see what what ends up coming out of that, and yeah, I think. Yeah that segues perfectly into what you just said there. Um, I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on how you feel like it's going to impact, uh, the sport recruiting. Um, what do you think? Well, I'm going to just start off with a story. Okay. You ever heard of Caitlin Ohashi? No, I'm not. Caitlin Ohashi was a UCLA gymnast a couple years ago. She had a ridiculous floor exercise. Kind of brought her to fame, quite honestly. We're talking 38 million video views. Wow. Almost 1 million retweets. Um, she actually got on Good Morning America because of it. She got on ESPN's 2019 body issue. So you can imagine how much money was generated. Um, however, Caitlin was not able to make a penny due to the past NCAA rules. So for wow. those of y'all that don't really know what the rules were, the NCAA prohibited athletes from accepting outside money essentially to preserve what they considered amateurism. Right. And in their mind, amateurism was college athletes are not professionals and therefore they do not need to be compensated. So then, you know, what, what happens to all that money? <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can only imagine who gets all the money. Um, mm-hmm. when we talk about athletic directors, we talk about, you know, NCAA officials, we talk about, you know, anybody other, other than the players can get their hands on that money. Mm-hmm. You got media outlets, you got, Sports media, all of these people, everybody can make money except the players. And quite honestly, that's the hypocrisy of it all. Yes, sir. Everybody can make money 
except the players, including the NCAA, who probably profited the most off this young lady. Mm. Um, so now, as you alluded to, players don't get paid to play. So that's the part that you can't get confused. Players don't get paid to play now, but they can get paid for their NIL, their name, image, and likeness. So quite honestly, they are able to market themselves. Mm. They can market themselves now. now. And it's moving. Go ahead. Now, is that is that everywhere? Or is that only in certain spots still? So it's expanding, but I'm pretty sure it's only in certain areas. Yeah. I have to do a I, little bit more research about it. I think it's started in, in California and Florida. I think that's where Cali we're at right Florida. now. Cali and Florida. Right. Right. Cali and Florida, they're able to get name, image, likeness. And, you know, it was really Ed O'Bannon, you know, with the mm. probe. Oh, he was wow. he was one of the catalysts for Throwback. all of it. Yes, you know, sir. Yeah, Ed O'Bannon was he's the name that you can look at as being the person who really, you know, brought this out into the open. And to answer your question from a little while back, I think it's going to affect recruiting because the state's who play ball with it, right? Mm -hmm. The best players are going to want to go to those states, yep. quite honestly. Yep. And you can't blame them. You know, myself being a college football athlete, uh, played at a smaller D2 school, Kentucky Wesleyan College. You know, I probably wouldn't have been able to market myself highly, but just knowing that I would have been able to make money off, you know, being a college athlete, maybe selling a jersey, maybe, you know, putting a highlight film out, and marketing myself online, that would have been a great feeling to have in college. How you feel about the whole situation? Yeah, I, I think you're dead on. Um, and you usually are, just being honest. But uh, Appreciate it, man. I, uh, <laughs> I agree. And I, I think for starters, it's definitely going to impact um, recruiting for teams in those states. Um, you know, you've got kids that uh, – just the reality of the situation um, a lot of kids uh, coming out of underprivileged situations where they need money and they can't afford to wait that's why you'll see Absolutely. you'll see at times where kids will take a chance and go pro too early you know because they need the money and so if they have the opportunity to make it now if they're a, if they're a superstar and they know they got to at least go to school for a couple years well why not go ahead and start getting paid i want to say that part of the the part of it as well is that they will be able to have agents which they weren't able to in the past now yes. i could be wrong on that but i think that's a part of it um and i get well i don't get the hypocrisy of the ncaa I, let's let me state it that properly i okay. understand how the challenge could be to be fair um with paying folks and paying players because you do have to take into account you know it's not just football and basketball um, you have plenty of other sports women's sports and you want to be equal now you could take a look at it and say um, well what who brings in the most money and those get right, paid the most I mean that's right. that's an option too but I think this is at least a start to where they can at least get something but uh, it is so hypocritical that like you've got a guy like Nick Saban coaching Alabama making he might make double figures a million I'm not sure he at least makes like seven mil you know, and you, and then all the players who are really doing, 
really the ones doing all the work, you know, in reality, they're yep. not getting, I mean, they get an education. That's awesome. That's amazing. Absolutely. Nothing wrong yes. with that. Nothing against that. But in most cases you're not allowed to work. Right. So you're, yeah, not yep. even not, it's not even that you don't have time. It's that you're not even allowed to. And, and even if they did, like we want them to go to school, get educated, have time we for do. practice. And so there's often times like you can't even get a, you couldn't even have the kid over to your house for a meal as a coach uh, because there could potentially be a violation there. So, yeah, I'm actually on the side of players, teams getting players getting paid based off the revenue that their sport brings in. I'm actually okay. on the side of that one. Okay. You know, to me, that's the fairest way. But I definitely you <laughs> you're spot on as well. You know, there's a lot to take into account from a university standpoint. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, um, I the fact that it, this is just now coming into the forefront, you know, the NCAA should be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely. They should be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely. Um, and on that note, mm -hmm. it's time for our personal segment. Yes, sir. You want to explain how that goes? Yeah. So each week, JB. Yeah. Each week we will just have a, take a moment and either discuss something that is uh, highly important or relevant specifically to us, um, you know, specific to teams that we pull for in our area or just uh, topics that we want to um, discuss. So for this week, okay. um, for me, the segue is kind of perfect as well. We're talking about amateurism um, with sports and, uh, I want to talk about youth sports and um, okay. my my opinion of the importance of them uh, for culturally societal. I think that there's a lot they're downplayed a lot, and um, I think regardless if your son or daughter are going to turn out to be a professional athlete, um, collegiate athlete, even high school athlete, I think it's it gives you such an impact on uh, their growth and maturity if you get them involved in youth athletics. Um, and I'll give you a couple points here. Um, discipline uh, is one key thing that I think is taught and learned. Um, Absolutely. And that's, you know, because you're, you have to, you learn a sport, you have to be precise, you practice it, you um, run through it till you get it right. And uh, you get challenged to grow and get better. Teamwork, they, same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Uh, you have to learn in almost in most sports. Uh, uh, teamwork. You learn how to work with others. Uh, you learn how to take directions, how to lead. Uh, there's leadership skills that are learned by um, having to play alongside somebody maybe you don't get along with all the time. And working through that relationship and figuring out how to get the most out of your teammates as you grow. Um, and maybe most importantly, I think, is you learn how to lose. Uh, because mm. I'm not one of those, uh, you know, get a trophy for participating type of people. And there's, oh nothing, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with uh, celebrating, especially really young kids. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but in reality... When we accept that, you know, you lost and you still get a prize and we accept that you're teaching, you're doing a disservice to the kids, right? Because they're going to fail. You're going to fail in life. And when you learn at a young age 
hey, I lost. It's okay to be upset and sad. All right, now I'm going to work harder to try to win next time. And it's not about necessarily, um, you know, getting hard, coming down hard on them. Um, and so I think for me, youth coaches um, often are volunteers, and I think that uh, they deserve a lot of praise, the ones that do it right, the ones that aren't just about yelling and screaming and their own ego and trying to win. Um, youth sports is all about teaching, and that, that includes the referees, the umpires, and all them as well. Um, it's all about teaching and getting these kids to learn not only the fundamentals of the sport and learning how to participate, uh, you know, in a lot of cases it helps them socially as well, and it helps them in life because as I've heard all my life and I can see and point out many examples to where sports in our society is a microcosm of society in general and in life. And so, it is. Uh, I, you know, I think getting them started early, um, you know, I encourage any of you moms and dads that I know it's tough. Um, I've done it. I wish I could have done it more. It's hard with, uh, you know, work and, and trying to find time. But if you're able to, it's so rewarding, um, you know, having the opportunity to, to coach youth sports and, and just make an impact on young kids. And I, I'm sure you can relate being a uh, high school coach, correct? Absolutely. High school basketball, high school girls flag football. We actually just won the championship in girls flag football a couple weeks ago. Um, Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I can relate. And those were excellent points. Well, thank you. Excellent. What about you, And I learned, uh, I'm going to change it up a little bit. My personal segment, I'll keep it pretty brief so we can move along. Okay. I live in Alaska. Mm. And one of the most frequent questions that I get is how do you make it through the winter? Okay. Okay. And I have a very easy answer. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm waiting. A big part of how I make it through the winter. Obviously I coach high school basketball. That takes up a lot of my time. I teach, but the Australian open. Okay. Which usually happens late January, early February. Actually, more mid-January to the end of the month. Let me tell you why the Australian Open helps me get through the winter. Okay. I love tennis major tournaments. I'll sit there all day if it's a weekend, and I'll watch all day. Mm. You know, John McEnroe, Chrissy Everett talking, commentating the matches. Never played tennis in my life. But I love to watch major tennis tournaments. Hmm. Um, so the Australian Open for about the last, I don't know, 10 to 12 years of my life has been big for me. First off, it's summer in January in Australia. So I'm watching these matches on TV. That's and it's weird, 100 isn't degrees. It? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's, it, I'm not even going to tell you all what it is up here when I'm watching those matches up here weather-wise. But mm. it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Australia. So I can already feel the heat psychologically mm-hmm. right yeah then i'm watching all these matches you know in the you know early 2000s into the teens i'm watching leighton hewitt in his later years you know the australian players and mm-hmm. how the fans get behind them young bernard tomic nick kyrgios kakanakis all those players and then the american guys you know who i've obviously latch on to um ash barty actually a female Pretty sure she's one of the top five players in the world right now, Australian. And just watching the Australian Open in the winter is a big part of me getting through the winter. For those couple of weeks, 
I feel like I'm in Australia. And I'm going to make it a point to say this. I will go to the Australian Open wow. in the next 10 years. I will be going to the Australian Open in the next 10 years. I love it. That's cool, man. I did not know that. That's uh, Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. I'd love to go with you. That'd be great. Australia we sounds like a great place to go. Okay. So a few years down the road. So what we got? All right. Here here's a little segment. Um and this will be one that we will revisit from time to time. So we're gonna take a look here and we're gonna do a little little rankings. How you feel about that? Okay. Everybody likes to uh, I'm ready. rank. So this So week, who are we ranking? That's the this question. This week we're doing we're gonna do specific positional rankings, right? We're gonna do all time NBA point guards. Top oh, five. Oh lordy. Top five all Top time. Five. So now, I, I'm pretty sure you're gonna. I don't know. I don't know how you're gonna feel about my list. So uh, who, who do wants you want to me to first? do my list? I'll go. I'll go first. You go first. All right. Let's I'll just throw my do, list out there. Do five to one. You can give a little insight, and then uh, I'll do my list, and we'll see. We'll see where we're at. Okay. Uh, number five for me. I got Walt Clyde Frazier. Hmm. Could okay. score, pass. Dominating player, seven-time All-Defensive NBA team, seven-time wow. All-Star, played for the New York Knicks. Um, and, you know, he was – he fit New York. He was known for his flash. So That's he true. really fit that area. Uh, number four on my list, I couldn't leave him out, Isaiah Thomas. Mm, I couldn't one. leave him out He's of there. He's on my list. He, yep. You know, <laughs> if I had to do a metaphor for Isaiah, I would say a lion demeanor – in a mongoose body. <laughs> mongoose, okay. Small, small. If you don't know what a mongoose is like, mm, yeah. Y'all, y'all out there listening, look up a mongoose, and you can see how small and fierce they are, and what they can do to a cobra snake. Check out a mongoose. But right. anyways, back to Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas, the mongoose, the mongoose. <laughs> Nineteen and nine career average. So we'll just go ahead and say twenty points yep. and ten assists. Yep. Two-time NBA champ, finals MVP, 12-time All-Star. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows he got shunned from the original Dream Team because mm-hmm. some of the guys on the team didn't like him. MJ. Hey, <laughs> I, 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 I probably wouldn't like Isaiah Thomas either nah. if he was the reason I would. But quite honestly, Isaiah Thomas made Michael Jordan in a lot of ways. But we'll save that conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Isaiah Thomas from the Detroit Pistons okay. is number four. Number three? I got the big old Oscar Robertson. Okay. Ooh, number three. Original triple double number king. Three. Mm. <laughs> Bearcat. The Cincinnati Bearcat. Do you know where he's from? Indianapolis, Indiana. He's from Indianapolis, Indiana. Actually was a part of the first all black high school in our country wow. to win a state championship. Did not know Crispus, that. Crispus Attics High School. My mom actually attended that same school. First all black high school in America to win state in basketball. Wow. Um, incredible score, 25.1 mm. career average. So he mm-hmm. could score oh, multiple yeah. triple-double seasons. 25, and he won it. 10, and 8, I believe. For there you go, career. 25, 10, and 8. Mm, and for a point won- guard. That's It's mind-boggling. And he won a championship. So he's on the championship list, mm-hmm. just like, you know, Isaiah Thomas. Okay. My top two. Top two. Hmm. I already know a lot of y'all going to be going crazy when y'all hear that Magic Johnson is number two on my list. Mm, Okay. Michigan State Spartan, Mm -hmm. you know, born and raised in Michigan. Big point guard, obviously. He 
was extremely skilled for his size. He could score, rebound, drop dimes like none other, especially on fast breaks. Got steals. Mm, um, yes, sir. Three-time MVP, three-time finals MVP, yep. 12-time All-Star, five-time time, five titles, 10-time All-NBA selection, and Hall of Famer extraordinaire. Uh, played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar most of his career. Like my, I, Magic Johnson, he just changed the NBA from the standpoint of, you know, after Magic, teams realized, oh, I don't have to view a six nine guys being a big man on my team he yes, could sir. be a skilled point guard as well yep. magic johnson revolutionized the nba in that way but my number one point guard of all time mm -hmm. in my opinion revolutionized the nba in a way that it has never been revolutionized i think y'all know where i'm going with this steph curry's number one on my list okay okay steph curry's number one on my list because he changed basketball into a three-point game. When you look at basketball here in 2021, you look at teams and how they're built, we're looking at teams shooting 40 to 50 three-pointers a game. We're looking at teams playing small ball, looking for big men who can shoot threes, looking for point guards who can shoot threes. We're looking at players who will take more three-pointers in their career than they'll take two-pointers. Steph Curry winning three championships, winning the MVP twice, 24 points a game, six assists. He can score in isolation. He moves incredibly off the ball. And, and that's the that's probably his biggest attribute, in my opinion. The combination of being able to score in isolation with his slick ball handling skills, not super athletic, but incredible skills. And he played off the ball at mm. a level that, quite honestly, only Ray Allen and Reggie Miller do. That's true. Yeah, maybe maybe Rip Hamilton could be thrown in there too, but off the ball, yeah, incredible at a player. Lower level, but yeah, I would say, yep, similar. Steph Curry's number one on my list. Okay. What's your list, so, JB? So let me just start by saying I can't argue with any. I mean, in reality, so we got four. I've got four of the same five. So I don't know if you okay. just been in my brain or what's going on now. Walt <laughs> Frazier. You know, nothing against him. Um, I didn't even have him in my top ten, if I'm being honest. So I don't know. That's fine. Um, That's you know, fine. some honorable mentions. I'm just going to throw these out there because neither of us mentioned them. John Stockton, my boy John. Oh, you know, absolutely. assist master. You know, even somebody like Steve Nash, who was kind of a Steve precursor to, to Curry yeah. a little bit. Um, just an homage I'm, I'm, to him. AI. You know, although he's not your traditional point guard, I mean, he was a he was a, a leader, floor general. Just, just just in case he isn't on your list, mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm give an honorable mention to Russell Westbrook. Okay, okay, that's fair, that's fair. Sup supreme athleticism. That's what I Absolutely. think of when I think Russell. All right, so my number five, and and here's the thing, I'll explain a little more as we get further. Biggest thing for me when I think point guard, I think leadership, floor general. You're running the team. Um, similar to quarterback, you know, and what do we judge them by? Typically it's titles, right? Just That's just the way of the world. Um, that's right. So uh, my number five is Isaiah. As you mentioned, Kay. all his accolades, 19-9. I think he averaged close to three steals a game. Um, wow. Which that's pretty incredible, too. Defensively was just at you, and I think that's why a lot of people didn't like him, and he ran his mouth a lot. Uh, okay, my number four 
Uh, Steph Curry, your number one is okay. my number four. And, okay. you know, you said it all. I mean, there's there's no argument about any of what you said. Uh, absolutely changed the landscape of the way basketball is played. Um, so fun to watch. Remember him back in Davidson where there would people would put in a box and one on him in Division um, One yeah, college well, basketball? Almost, like what? Almost, almost single-handedly uh, took them to the Final Four. Yes, almost. Yes, and uh, so – you know, always been, always enjoyed him. All right, number three for me, Magic Johnson. Okay. <laughs> so Absolutely. you thought folks were going to go crazy with you having him number yeah. two. Um, yeah. Again, five-time champ, can't take that away. Uh, Showtime, just, you know, part of it is that I think he, uh, for me, the difference between him maybe and why I edged the two is, you know, the supreme talent he always had around him, too. Now, certainly right. he made them better as well. Um, so not taking anything away from him. He's my number three. Number two, I've got the big O. Um, hey. I think, uh, you know, and honestly, I don't think a lot of people think of him necessarily as a point guard, maybe. And, and maybe that's just me. But uh, until I really started doing a little research and dig it in, um, you know, I think I'd always kind of thought of him as a two guard, but, uh, in reality, um, for me, when I think point guard, if you're the, if you're the dominant ball handler and, uh, you know, you're kind of running the show, um, putting people in a position to be successful and you can do what he do did as well and score, uh, guard multiple position positions and rebound. Um, yeah, I got to give it to the big O. And of course, that's Chris Posadix, Tigers, yeah, a little green homer and gold, baby. Bearcats, a little homer. So that brings me to number one. And I, I think this is maybe where I might get a little uh, pushback here. So, again, <laughs> so my definition of a point guard, as I said, is leader, floor general, ball dominant. Um, you know, and maybe you know where I'm going with this, but uh, somebody that you can just build a team around. You may not necessarily think of when you think of him as a point guard. Um, my okay. number one all time is LeBron James. Okay. And I know he's transitioned more to that role later in his career, but even if you think back to him starting out, um, quote unquote, as a point forward, he wouldn't necessarily be on the floor as the point guard, but everybody knew who's bringing the ball up, who's running. And honestly, um, similar to how Giannis was last year when it comes down to crunch time. So um, I get it. There's going to be some, some you know, challenging, well, he's really, he's a forward. But um, in reality, he's got the ball in his hands. He's averaging now, later in his career, double-digit assists. Uh, he's always been able to score. And earlier in his career, he was really able to guard pretty much five positions. Um, now as he's gotten a bit older, he's not really as – solid defensively but accolades are there as well nine straight finals um even though it was in the east um you know multiple titles mvps and what have you so there it is that's my five what are your thoughts well my thoughts on number <laughs> one i mean you know we will we'll go back to this one in the future but i would say you know when you play with Dwayne wade chris bosh anthony davis and those are the players you you win your championships with you know, it's hard for me to show that much love as the number one point guard of all time when you had those players, those Hall of Famers right, right alongside that's you. Fair. But we can we can talk about that hey, more another magic time. Magic and Cur I pretty much all the 
here's the thing. All these guys, they're not going to win titles by themselves. And, yeah, I, I – True. Yeah. It's, True. Now, that Cavs team, though, um, I mean, he did have Kyrie, but we see how Kyrie is without LeBron, right? So, that Cavs team and the Cavs team he got to the finals when he had well, – uh, who was on to that be, team? To be fair, to, <laughs> well, well, Mo, Mo, Mo Williams was actually the point guard on that team. That's and he true. averaged almost – Mo Williams averaged about twenty points a game. That's true. You know, but you could we could say the same thing about LeBron from the standpoint of not ever winning a championship without other Hall of Famers winning. But we'll talk about that more another time. Fair. All right. Let's, so let's what we got next. Speaking of stars, um, we got a little segment where we want to discuss some up and coming talent. Um, any sport, um, you know, just guys that we feel like are really gonna be either the next big thing in their sport at their position, what have you. Um, so let me kick this yeah, one off. Kick let me kick off it off for us here. And I'll be very brief. Uh, we're running a little bit low on time, so I'll be brief. Brady house. Okay. Who's Brady? House? Brady house. Brady house is this young man, 18 years old. He's an amateur baseball player in the Washington nationals organization. Okay. <laughs> His high school statistics, mind-boggling. 18 years old, he played 79 varsity games in three seasons in high school. He batted 524, <laughs> had an OPS of 1497, mm. and a 629 on-base percentage. He stole 24 bases in those years, so can you know he can run a little bit too. And he also was a very excellent pitcher, um, had a lot of strikeouts in those years too. I don't have the exact numbers on strikeouts, but... He was a pitcher as well. That's a name to pay attention to a few wow. years down the road. Okay. Who knows? Maybe the maybe the Cincinnati Reds could make a deal oh, for him. That'd be nice, huh? The next but, um, next Otani is that what we're looking at? Maybe possibly, possibly. Brady House is the uh, right. is the name that I found. Brady um, House. Okay. Who do you have? So baby? I'm going a little more further down the line. Somebody That's that fine. I'm sure you probably have heard of. Um, if you pay attention to the NFL. And it's a bit of a homer pick, but that's okay. So mine's going to be Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase. Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver rookie. So still getting established. Again, uh, if you if you watch the NFL, you've probably heard of him. Um, so five games into his career, he has five touchdowns. Okay, He had, I believe, more touchdowns than anyone in the history in his first four games outside of Randy Moss. Now, I could be mistaken. Um, what he's got going for him, obviously, is his partnership with the quarterback, which he had in college. So that's a benefit for him. Um, you know, comparable. I saw a lot of comps of him coming out of college as a mix between Anquan Bolden and Steve Smith. Um, you know, he's got good size, mm. six foot, 200. I don't know how much I buy into that, but from what I've seen, Extremely shifty, very fast with the ball. Um, he is on pace in his rookie season. I know, five games in. This guy's on pace in his rookie season to end with 75 catches, 1,460 yards, and 16 touchdowns for an average of almost 20 yards a reception. So you're talking elite uh, numbers there as a rookie. So I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, especially as a, a Bengal fan, um, with the homer pick, excited to see what he's gonna gonna do in the future. Let's see if he can keep it up. The NFL yep. is a long season. It is. It's a long season. All right, so it's that time of the week where we get to overtime. It's time Let's for uh, it's time for no nos. 
All right, so we got a question today. Um, we've okay. Got, we had a we had a uh, somebody write into the show here. Uh, I usually got is, an answer for you. Yeah, the question is, you know, I heard that your mom owned the Space Jam album. What was your favorite song on that album? <laughs> <laughs> when you think of the Space Jam album, <laughs> right off the top. If I hit them high, hit them high, uh, that comes, you know, that yeah. comes to mind. Obviously, I believe I can fly comes of to course, mind. Of course. But my favorite song on the Space Jam album was the song where Bugs Bunny was rapping. Okay. Wow. I I don't remember the name of it. I wouldn't have. But Bugs Bunny was rapping. I'm I'm pretty sure it was one of the later songs on the tape it was on a tape right it wasn't even a cd yet it was a cassette tape maybe we could look that up here before we're through won't you why don't you check that out while i'm speaking real quick it was a song where bugs bunny if you can get the name of that song bugs bunny was rapping he was talking about his girlfriend lola you know and bugging it was just bugging you're bugging. It was a great song, man. You know, Bugs, Bugs, rap. Come on now, Bugs Bunny rapping. It was a good song. If y'all have never heard it, we're gonna have that on here. Don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. All we'll right. get that on there. Uh, there so you go. Second part. Second part of overtime. So I, I uh, just to re- recap, um, we're gonna ask a question, just a random question. Hopefully, uh, somewhat sports related if we can, but doesn't have to be. And we'll certainly take, uh, you know, listener requests there. Uh, we're going to do a team where you name as many players off of that team. It's not going to be just some random, you know, team full of bums. It'll be either a team that you're well-versed in historically or, you know, in a, a championship team of some sort. And then we're going to do a name that player uh, segment as well. So let's do the uh, – we're going to do the team here, all right? And, uh, again, just kind of sticking with the Homer theme today. Um, I'm just feeling that. So we're going to go with the team that uh, – as previously mentioned before, the 1999 Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to put a minute on the clock, and let's see how many players you can name. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, and go. Barry Larkin, Sean Casey, Pokey Reese, Eddie Taubensey, Michael Tucker, Jeffrey Hammonds, Dante Bichette, Danny Graves, Pete Harnish, Denny Nagel, Steve Paris, Brett Tomko, Steve Avery, Dennis Reyes, hmm. Scott Sullivan, mm. Scott Williamson. Mm-hmm. That's what I get. Teen right there. You there got you go. More? You got 15 seconds. Jason Beret. Jason Beret. Uh, Beret. Ber- oh, yep. Man, I wouldn't have got that one. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm missing a batter or two. But 16. Right, I'll, I'll stick with 16. That's solid. Well done. Now, uh, Dante Bichette, I don't see listed. So, I'm not sure if that was maybe. I'm pretty sure Dante was on her for a part of that season. He might have been, pretty sure. just maybe not listed. So, some that you might have missed, uh, Greg Vaughn. Oh, my, my gosh, favorite. man. How did, how did I forget I Greg Carried Vaughn, Carried them man. the second half. To use, how about that? Oh, how my about Demi- gosh, man. Demetri and I Young. forgot Demetri Young, too. What's uh, wrong with Aaron me? Aaron Boone. 
I don't think, or did you? Oh see my How Morris? I, he was still there. Mike Cameron. Uh, I'm disappointed in myself. Jason Larue. Uh, I was surprised. I would not have gotten Jason Beret myself. Dennis Reyes. You know his one leg is like two inches longer than the other one. Interesting. I did not know that. I always remember pitchers. I always remember some pitchers now. Well done. That's probably a that's a mark to beat right there. Sixteen. All right. Yeah, I I gotta I gotta say that I failed. No. I'm I'm sorry. Greg 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 Vaughn and Dimitri, if y'all if y'all listening to this, I'm sorry. (laughs) there's no way I should have forgot Greg Vaughn and Dimitri Young. No way. All right. Goodness gracious. The final final segment here. We're gonna do uh, name that player. Um I'll go up to ten, okay? Uh, you stop me if you think you know it. All right. I'm going to try to start with some obscure facts. Okay. Um, all right. So first and foremost, uh, this gentleman is married with four children. Uh, he played in the NBA for 17 years and started in over a thousand games. Um, he played for at least three different teams. Uh, he was also. Okay. He was also a coach um, after playing in the NBA. Okay. Um, yeah, he played for quite a few teams. I don't know why I said three. Uh, he okay. was an all-star in 1989. He led the NBA in assists in 1997. Hmm. He led the NCAA in assists in 1986. His career statistics, 9.6 points a game, 3.8 rebounds, and 8 assists. Married with four children, played for 17 seasons. He also seasons. does some broadcasting. Dang. Oh, Mark Jackson. Oh, there it is. Ding, ding, ding. Well done. Mark Jackson. Now, as soon as if I'd have given you any of the teams, I'm sure you'd have gotten it pretty quick. But I was trying to be Saint, obscure. St. John's, yes, Indiana Pacers, yep. rookie of the year for the New York Knicks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe you're correct there, sir. So just trying to, again, just with sticking with the Homer theme today. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I met Mark Jackson one year uh, oh. growing up at – at Indiana Black Expo. Absolutely. Wow, that's yep. cool. Well, it was you know what I, you know what I actually learned when I met Mark Jackson. I learned how tall NBA players actually are because Mark Jackson is about six two, six three, and I remember as a little kid being like, "Hold on, he looks so short on mm, TV." Right, right. <laughs> but he's six two, six three. You know, obviously I'm a grown man now. I got a little bit of height on me, about six one and a half. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, you're you're six five. So, you know, it's different six, as excuse an adult. Me, uh six six when I stand up. My bad, my bad, oh, my you're, bad. You're J B. My bad, J B. <laughs> but you know, as a kid, you're like, goodness gracious, these guys are giants. So mm-hmm. Mark Jackson. Yeah, it's interesting. It kind of reminds me like when you see uh NFL players who like go jump in the wrestling ring and stuff and how small they look. Um you think these guys are enormous, and then they get around all these guys on roided up, <laughs> and they look small. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Uh, well, what a great way to end the show, talking about steroids. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? Maybe maybe that's going to come up in a, in a future oh, show. Shoot. All right. <laughs> it might well, in a future baseball show, you know. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, Mark McGuire. Now nah, let me stop. <laughs> all right. Well, 
thank you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. We're blessed to uh, be with you and get the opportunity to do this. So, Absolutely. What a blessing it is. We'll right. see you guys later. See you later. Have a great night. Day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. A couple of words I won't take back. I'll be the thug who seems to bring charm. Check my skin in the U.S. I'm seeing is that regardless. Docile and harmless. Emblematic guinea pigs. Submit to control all the people in the city did. Silly kids only listen to that. It's strength in numbers to them to me.